Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Thanks, as always, for checking the GM Shuffle. It's AD and Mike, and a pleasure to have you with us. Hope everybody's staying safe, staying quarantined, practicing social distancing. The good news is we do have something on the calendar, which is the NFL draft is just two weeks away. Before we get into that, we know everybody could use a laugh right now. So, you know, as always, follow us on Twitter. You can follow Mike, M. Lombardi NFL. And the best thing he tweeted all week, aside from Bruce Springsteen lyrics from Human Touch, was Frank Caliendo on your show on VEASAN. How great is my man Caliendo doing? I hadn't seen this before. A Tony Romo impression and a Jim Nance impression. Yeah, I mean, he what a tremendous, tremendous guy. He went right into it. It was like uh, I was in a room with 500 other people because I had no idea where he was going. When he went into when he went into Mel Kuyper, I almost wet my pants. I mean, what I really wanted him to do, I gave him a homework assignment. I said, like, look, here's what I think you really need to do. I think you need to do all the Soprano characters quarantined in their house. You know, we you already got the great line from Uncle Junior. Look, I've been farting in the same cushion for six years. You know, <laughs> so you can build off that, right? You know, you can build off that line and then you could see Tony taking the trash out. You could see it all. But the Al Pacino one, he said he couldn't do De Niro because he makes the face with De Niro, which is so damn good. And, and his earbuds fall out when he makes that face. So... <laughs> But, I mean, what a talent. He loves sports. He loves football. He's got Gruden down. He lives in Arizona. I guess he's close with the Cardinals. So, I mean, he was delightful. I mean, it was just so much fun to talk to him and to, to kind of get away from the the news and, you know, and all that. It was just kind of fun for me especially. But, anyway, we got something else to talk about, like my shine, like getting me back in. <laughs> we'll talk shining shoes later, but how about – Todd McShay dropping bombs here. We're talking about Tom Brady's shoes being filled in New England. And McShay, when talking about the fact that frontrunner currently, second-year Jarrett Stidham, fourth-round pick, 2019. Well, McShay, uh, of course, does a terrific job on ESPN, draft analyst. Not crazy about Stidham. Take a listen to what he said on Get Up. He was a great backup, in my opinion, coming out of college at Auburn and had a chance to be developed into a starter. Now, you go back and you watch him against your Jets, yeah, they threw him in that game. He threw an interception. Bill got annoyed and, and pulled him out and, and put Tom Brady back in the game. They were up by about 50 points. So I, from everyone I talked to in the organization, they're excited about his development. He has so much potential. He is gifted. He's been through a lot in his life. He's got some character and some grittiness and toughness to him, but he's not ready yet. I mean, that's the bottom line. He is not ready to lead the New England Patriots, in my opinion. All right, so that's Todd McShay's thoughts on Jarrett Stidham. Mike, what do you think? Well, I mean, look, everybody, I think what we're learning in this day and age, and I just wrote this for the Daily Coach this morning, is we're learning that because people are on television, me included, there's a sense of opinion. And Todd has given his opinion, and he has every right to give his opinion because ESPN pays him for his opinion. You know, but what you try to do is base some of your opinions on facts. And, you know, where I think Todd, unless he knows somebody in that building, you know, I don't know if he has any facts to his opinion. It's just basically he watched him play in the Jet game. 
He watched him play in college. He's never seen any of the practices during the week. So it's just an opinion. And I think that, you know, it could be proven wrong, just like I was proven wrong with my opinion about, you know, Doug Peterson. You, we all make mistakes when it comes to these opinions. But I think you, you as a viewer, as a consumer of information, you've got to be really careful about understanding what's opinion and what's fact. I think Stidham's way better than Todd does. I think Stidham was a better college player. I think if you're going to quote the Auburn game and use that as his, then you're not paying attention to Auburn. You've got to really understand the dynamics. Now, do I think the Patriots could easily go out and sign Cam Newton? Yeah, I think there's no doubt they could easily go out and sign Cam Newton. I think if they could sign Jameis Winston, if if he didn't have some of the off-the-field stuff with him, I think they would probably go out and sign Jameis Winston. That being said, they're going to give Stidham every opportunity. But where I think Todd misses the boat here a little bit is that they're not all in on Stidham. Stidham's going to have to earn it. You know, where they're not being blinded by Stidham. They're not being the Mitchell Trubisky, MVP Mitch, and just saying, okay, it's your job. They're going to go in with an open mind. And I think that, to me, is more important than anything. And that's what I was going to say. Do you think, like, in this situation, how likely is it? Do the, do the Patriots and Belichick specifically feel the need, feel the urgency to get a Cam, to get a Jameis, to get Dalton? Or are they relatively comfortable? Like, if, if one of those guys ends up being available, of course they're available, but if, if it ends up being the right fit, that's one thing. But how comfortable are they right now, week one, saying, yeah, Stidham's our guy, let's do this? I, I think because of this virus, they can't get people into your building to give them a physical. It's really made it very difficult to make your team better. We've seen no real secondary market in free agency. And I think it's because of the timing of this virus and not being able to get people in. And frankly, I think where Winston is now, I think, what, we 17 days away from the draft or 15 days away from the draft, Right. I think we're 15 days away. It's Thursday. Today's Wednesday. I, you know, one thing about this virus, I have no idea what day it is. It feels like Groundhog Day, but at least Groundhog Day had Bill Murray. Yeah, exactly. Where is Bill? You know, we need Bill Murray. I mean, anyway, I think that two weeks before the draft, I can't imagine Winston or Newton signed before the draft because I think they're going to want to see what the landscape looks like after the draft. And, you know, that leads me to another subject. You know, so like I was going through and I'm sitting here thinking, you know, we all value these quarterbacks you know, that we're watching in the draft. And if Todd would have kind of used this as as his part for not liking Jarrett Stidham, I think it would have given it more teeth. Is if you go through from 2002 to 2019 and you break down every quarterback picked in the first round, okay, and I'm not going to include the 2019 draft, right? I'm not going to include that in the analysis. I am going to include the 18 draft, but understanding that Darnold Allen – forget Rosen, Mayfield, all could potentially get better. But would you go through that draft and you go through every pick in the first round, you know, you have a hard time finding blue chip players, as Parcells would say, that separate themselves. Most of the quarterbacks picked in the first round. First of all, it's a 50-50 proposition at best. I mean, I could only come up with 15 names that were really quality players right? 15 names that were truly, you know, the Aaron Rodgers, the Eli Mannings, the Phillip Rivers, the Roethlisberger, the Carson Palmers, the Cam Newtons that I counted in there, even Matthew Stafford. But there's so many of the Mark Sanchez, Blaine Gabbert, Jake Lockler, Johnny Manziel, Blake Bortles, Marcus Mariota, you know, Paxton Lynch's, you know, there's so many Vince Young, Matt Leinart, Cutler. There's so many of those guys that are bust. So for me, what did I learn from that? 
What did I learn from this? Two things. Most people in the NFL AD can't evaluate quarterbacks. And just because Todd McShay and Mel Kuyper say these guys are first-round picks and they're camp misses, because I promise you, if you go back and read all these reports, tell me, if you go back and read all these reports on Patrick Ramsey, Joey Harrington, David Carr, all of them, do you think they're glowing? Yeah, exactly. Well, it's funny. You mentioned a name like Paxton Lynch, and I can remember all those people said this guy was going to be a star. It's crazy. Right. So, But here's where I think you have to reverse engineer it, and I think you've got to look at this differently. I think we're looking at this draft, and we're seeing the quarterbacks, and we're saying, okay, fine. The reality of the draft is where I think Todd's not giving us enough credibility is the fact that Josh McDaniels coaches Jarrett Stidham. And when you look at this list – and you see Alex Smith on here who wasn't very good until he got to Andy Reid. Or you see, you know, Lamar Jackson who's got Greg Roman coaching him. You know, and you see Carson Wentz when he played with Frank Wright and, and Doug Peterson. When you see this, you say, wait a minute, isn't it the coach that's helping these players? Because there's too many misses on this list. There's way too many misses. There's not enough good players on the – it's like – if you take a quarterback in the first round and you've studied from 2002 to 2019, the chances of you hitting that guy are like the chances of me finding oil in Ocean City. And yeah, trying to find that oil well. And that's why that brings us to the issue. I think you're absolutely right, Mike, as far as mentioning the coronavirus, that's impacting things. Because what's happened with Tua Tungavailoa? I mean, listen, you mentioned Todd and Mel. I'm watching Get Up This Morning. They're talking about, are the Dolphins going to pick them? Could you see the Dolphins picking Herbert at a Tungavailoa? I mean, you've had reports. One team in the top 10 has failed Tua Tungavailoa's physical. Now, I'm sure you're going to protect your source here. So don't tell me the team. But that's at least one team that said, listen, this guy is not kosher. He is not up to speed. He is not ready to go. What do you think they saw? I mean, obviously, he's coming off a serious injury here, but that's got to get around now. If you can, hey, at least one team failed the physical on Tua, others have to be concerned now as well. I, I, what they saw, AD, is they saw the fact that there's more than just one. It's not just his hip. It's his ankle. It's his wrist. He broke his wrist the first day of spring ball one year, and then they fixed it, and he came back, and he rebroke it again. I mean, he's brittle. He is brittle. You can't deny it. You can say he's a really good player, right? But it's easy for Mel and Todd and everybody else to turn the card in and say he's a good player because they don't look at this list of bust in front of them. They don't look at the Mark Sanchez's, the Josh Friedman's, the Jamarcus Russell's, the Brady Quinn's, the Jason Campbell's, the J.P. Losman's. They don't look at these names. They all were hot picks. I mean, I can remember J.P. Losman was represented by Gary Richard, who Mel Kuypers was very close to. They were talking about J.P. Losman like he was going to be the next coming of Jesus Christ. <laughs> I mean, and we all make mistakes. I mean, we all make mistakes. Look, I'm not disputing the evaluation. I'm saying that if you're picking a quarterback, it's really hard to pick a good one. It's even harder with the guy who can't stay healthy. That's my point. So, yeah, two teams I've talked to have flunked them they flunked him on not just the hip, on the multitude of injuries. Like, the risk far outweighs the reward. It's crazy. We know Burrow's going to go to the Bengals, obviously. And then the second quarterback now, if it's not going to be two of them, maybe it's Herbert. I mean, it, it definitely opens things up a little bit. We're going to talk more about quarterbacks in just a second. But before we go to the break, I just want to quickly touch on 
this ESPN situation with Monday Night Football. Andrew Marsh in the New York Post reporting a three-man weave. Steve Levy, who's my guy. I love Steve. He and I coached our kids' Little League teams together back in West Hartford. Leaves could be doing the call along with Dan Orlovsky and Lewis Riddick. Another option, Chris Fowler, Kirk Herbstreet going to Monday night, although ESPN apparently, according to Marshan, where you've taken their top college team away from the college game. And by the way, I saw Herbie was talking with uh, our man Pat McAfee. You retweeted that. Herbie said, listen, no matter what, I'm doing college game day and I'm doing college football on Saturday night. Whether or not the money stuff happens, that's another issue. The current team of Joe Tessitore and Booger McFarlane haven't been told they won't be back. However, they both know ESPN's been trying to hire new staff. I just want to say, Mike, we all know we get hired to get fired and we all get replaced, but this is just an awful situation for Tess and Booger to know that, you know, listen, whatever you think of their work, they're both great guys. They're, they're totally good soldiers, good workers. To be kind of dangling in the wind like this, like that just sucks. Yeah, I mean, I think to me, like, you've already made the decision, right? You've already made the decision that you're, you're not going to go with them. Why can't they just tell them that they're not? I mean, I've been thinking about this, A.D. Tell me what you think of this. Let's say, let's just play a game. Let's say the virus is so bad that we can get back to work, but they don't want 70,000 people at games. Let's say no fans in the stadium. Okay. Well, you know one thing, the TV ratings will go through the complete roof, right? And let's say college campuses don't open up until, you know, maybe next January. Let's say the NFL decides on Saturday night, because there's no college game on Saturday night, that we're going to put one game a week on Saturday night, pay-per-view it, five bucks to get it. That's all. Pay-per-view, five bucks to get it. It'll be a game of the week with a Monday night crew could do it or ESPN, one of those. It'll be a produced. It's five bucks to make up for all the beer we can't sell on Sunday and Monday, right? So everybody chips in, <laughs> right? Everybody's going to – I mean, wouldn't you pay five bucks to watch pay-per-view? I was about to say, even if the game was like Jags Bengals, I'm like, oh, what the hell? For five bucks, you know, you know, a cup of coffee's five bucks. It's Starbucks these days. That's that's a no brainer. Five ninety nine, right? You times that by a, you know, a lot of people, and you know that revenue along with the rights to produce it, you know, the TV. Anyway, so like I could see that. Like to me, like there's so many possibilities that are going to happen because of this, and some of them are going to be really good ideas that I think you've got to be able to to see outside the box. And what ESPN's doing with these two guys, look, I think they got to change their whole Monday night thing around. I mean, you know, I was listening to – have you ever seen this before? It's called Sinatra, the main event. No, I'd love to see it, though. I love Sinatra. So back in the 70s, and, and Jerry, have you ever seen the documentary on Jerry Weintraub? No, I've heard of it, though. Jerry Weintraub was kind of Elvis's producer, made money with Elvis. and Anyway, he had this idea that when Sinatra was retired from music and he came back, he would put on an hour programming called Sinatra, the main event. It was in Madison Square Garden. They set up a stage like a boxing ring. Sinatra, it was like 10 o'clock to 11 on ABC on, on free TV. Sinatra comes into the ring. You know, one of the goals in life I would have had, it. Sinatra, right before he goes on stage, he double claps the guy's cheek, you know, like, like you know, like to say, I love you, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, to get one of those from Sinatra would have been worth a billion dollars. Anyway, so the guy comes on the stage and Sinatra sings his 12 songs or whatever he does. And then Sinatra leaves the stage, you know, goes to Patsy's, gets food and flies back to Palm Springs. But the point of the story is, it's the start of the show, Howard Cosell does this montage of Sinatra, you know, live from New York in his voice, Sinatra, the main event, the man, you know, and he goes into it. And the power of Cosell 
when you hear him do this and what he says, the power, fans of today's generation don't understand how Monday Night Football with Cosell was so powerful. It was so powerful. And Cosell knows nothing about football. But he was able to talk and to kind of interject his commentary and knew enough about the game to ask the right question. We miss that on Monday Night Football. Well, you're right. At that time, it was the biggest show around. And Cosell, as you noted, wasn't a huge football guy, but super smart guy, like great vocabulary and knew how to tweak people, right? Like if you think whatever, Stephen A or, you know, whoever provocateur out there, there's like back in the day, Cosell could piss people off because he knew exactly what to say, particularly the guy next to him. He'd get Dandy Don Meredith upset or he would just get people talking. So you're right. That's a lost start in terms of bringing the pizzazz to that game. But to your point about football, I I agree with you, Mike. I think, listen, we have no idea what's going to happen, as you and I have said. But the idea of the NFL being creative with this, you're absolutely right. And the ones where I keep thinking, hey, with no fans, listen, we'll take anything, right? If it's baseball, hockey, NBA playoffs, who cares? As long as it's sports, we'll take it even without fans. But you're right about the NFL. The TV ratings are already gigantic. So I'm not disputing no fans hurts. Of course it does. Who who wouldn't want 70,000 fans there? But the TV ratings are still gigantic when it comes to football. No doubt. And and when these two new TV deals get done, which they will, they'll be huge. And, you know, look, let's face it. Monday Night Football, you know, of course, ESPN, they're so jet-oriented because Seth Markham, the guy that runs the NFL, it is, you know, if you work for the Jets, you're going to be on the set. I mean, let's face it. I mean, that's all he wants are jet people around him. So you've got to get some personality on that show. you got to get partly entertained a little bit. And Cosell was, you know, he could annoy everybody, but he was somewhat entertaining. And, and he was a lawyer by trade. He had enough juice in terms of presenting his argument that you were persuaded into really understanding what he was trying to get his point, trying to get across. No question. Uh, We'll see what happens because that story will continue to evolve. But after the break, we'll break down exactly how this year's virtual draft is going to work. Once again, preview the top 10 picks. Has anything changed since last week? We'll tell you next. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, these second-round playoffs have been unreal, and we have the conference finals now on the horizon. Make sure you get all those futures bets in before the value disappears. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets in. Instantly download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. The virtual draft going to be awfully different this year, right? Commissioner Roger Goodell telling all 32 teams, as Mike said, 15 days away from the draft. 
league and club facilities set to remain closed indefinitely. Of course, this is in compliance with what's happening with COVID-19 pandemic. Team personnel furthermore advised to be in separate locations using phone and the internet to communicate. So basically, it's going to be a virtual draft. There's going to be no more moments here, Mike, and Roger Goodell, those awkward hugs or the fist bumps or the crowd roaring or when they, you know, famously the Eagles boo the Donovan McNabb pick. You're not going to have that, but we're still going to get the draft. And of course, what makes it different is the league prohibited teams in March from conducting pre-draft visits with prospects at club facilities. So you're going virtually here with meeting prospective players. We talked previously how this is different, but listen, you got plenty of tape on these guys. You have the combine. You should be able to make your choice. The virtual draft is going to be different, but at least we get the draft. At this point, I'm just grateful we're still going to have it taking place on time. No doubt. And look, it's going to be a challenge. There's no denying it. I think you're going to have to have three trade phones, right? It's really going to expose who is making the pick, right? It's really going to expose who's the commander in chief, right? Because how's this going to work? Jerry Jones is going to be sitting at his office, right? You know, and now they're saying Stephen can be with him because it's his son. I mean, how do you bend that rule? I don't know. But anyway, then what is he? He's not going to talk to McCarthy. Will McClay, does he make the pick? Or let's go to the Giants. Is John Mara, you know, or is Gettleman making the pick? Or Gettleman telling Mara who he wants to pick? Or Green Bay, is Mark Murphy involved? Like, to me, this is really going to expose a lot of people that have plausible deniability when it comes to making the pick. You know, you know the Giants. I mean, John Mara runs damn near everything at the New York Football Giants. Make no mistake about that. You know, and he's involved in everything. Last year, you know, people give a lot of crap about, you know, Daniel Jones, but that was Mara pushed that pick. He pushed that pick strongly, you know, and so there's a lot of influences that go into this that this draft is going to separate. I think the trade phones are going to be hard analyzing the trade phones. You know, like for New England, it won't be as difficult because one guy makes all the decisions. So people are funneling him information and he'll decide what to do. He may say to Nick, Nick, I want to trade down here. Let's get a couple things lined up. And then people start making phone calls. So as long as you there's got to, you know there's got to be an unbelievable communication system. I feel bad for a guy like Gettleman who who hates computers. You know how's he going to operate? I mean, did you see this video on this kid that created the website? It was done by Business Insider Rex Chapman, the great Rex Chapman, the former basketball player. He's got an incredible Twitter feed. He puts these inspirational videos up all the time. But he showed this kid who basically developed a website that could track the virus updated live information on the virus how many deaths where it was people that were still you know really unbelievable he was offered eight million dollars a year for advertising on his website he turned it down kid's 17 years old he's 17 years old he turned it down he said you know i'm too young to retire i love that answer i'm too young to retire <laughs> me too i'm too fucking young to retire too i mean i i tweeted out immediately i'd hire that kid for to run the draft right right now like that he's in seattle like if i'm john schneider i'm getting that kid in my office like that kid's going to be next to me at the draft right like he's going to be next to me but that's what you got to have like I still can't figure out Instagram. Well, that's what I was about to say. A guy like you, like I'm watching CNN, and you know they've got these WebEx set up, and like everyone's in different locations, and like sometimes the the feed craps out. Like picture that, Mike. Picture the draft. They got to make the pick, and all of a sudden the feed craps out. The the guy's FaceTime isn't working. He's got bad Wi-Fi all of a sudden. Like what's going to happen there? I swear to God, something stupid like that's going to happen and screw things up. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's just going to be so difficult to maneuver. But look, you got to do it. That's why I think you'll see, in the, at least in the top five, maybe the top 10, I think we'll see 
trades set up before the day when you have a little bit more time to work on it. That's a very good prediction. That's a good call. Rather than in the moment where things are going to be too tricky, that's a good call. Speaking of the top 10, let's recap. I'm going to go one through five and uh, six through 10. Your observations from last week, what has changed, what you think could stay the same. So Bengals, we all know this. They're going to take Burrow. Redskins, last week you were saying they got Kyle Allen after the trade. They're excited about him. The Lions at three take Jeff Okuda or a defensive tackle. The Giants at four need to draft an O-lineman. And number five, which for many people is the most interesting team, Miami doesn't trade up. They take whatever quarterback is available, and that means, at least from what you're hearing, may not be Tua Tungavailoa. Right. You know, now, I think this on Miami. If I were Miami, I might take the best offensive tackle there at five. And then I would take my other first and try to trade up to Arizona and get the quarterback that might be left. Assuming that the the Chargers don't take him, maybe if they love Jordan Love, I think you know McShay's got Love going in the top ten because he loves Love. See, this is why mock drafts are so bad because you know you're basically it's not what you're hearing, it's what you think. It goes back to that Colin Powell line, you know. It's what you, so he's naturally he's going to put Love in the he loves Love. I mean that could be an avenue. It's like what I said about Baker Mayfield. Like, look, if I were running the Browns at that time, I would I would have traded back to get Lamar. And pick two really good players in the first at one and four. You know, Bradley Chubb, Rokon Smith, the guard from uh, Notre Dame there. You know, you get two big-time players to help your offensive defensive line. Then you trade back to get Lamar. Where would you be as a team? I think you got to think differently about how this approaches. I think Miami, if you're sitting at five, they could take a tackle, especially if the Giants take a tackle. You take a tackle there because you know this. Los Angeles will take a problem, might take a quarterback. They could take an offensive lineman. Carolina, you know, they're going to either take an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman. They're smart. They understand it, you know. And I think this. Everybody's talking about what could happen, or but when push comes to shove. You better make damn sure you got that offensive line taken care of. And I think that that could influence this draft. That's why Tua, when you look at the history of quarterbacks picked in the first round and you put Tua's injuries down, his wrist, his ankle, his hip, his knee, you start putting all those down and how many games he's actually played in college and he has all these injuries. And then you do you really want to take that risk over a quality player? Do you really want to do that? When your chances of finding oil is really slim and none? To that point, quarterback, last week you were seeing the Chargers at six. They're looking to draft a quarterback. We all know that with Phillip Rivers gone. After that, Panthers at seven need to draft a D lineman. Cardinals at eight draft an offensive tackle. Jacksonville need an offensive or defensive lineman, maybe a guy like Isaiah Simmons. And then the Browns need to get an offensive tackle. A lot of tackles here, in your opinion, Mike, seven through 10, and the Chargers at six looking for a QB. All of them. I mean, uh, you know, the Cardinals could take a corner. They need another corner opposite Patrick Peterson badly. So if Akuda made it down to them, I mean, look, if the Cardinals, you know, they don't want to come to three. The Lions would love to go to eight and pick whatever's left for them at eight. But, you know, the Cardinals don't want to come up to three, so that leaves them out. You know, I think the Lions, if they want to move, have to make a cheaper deal. People think they're going to have to make a rich deal. I don't think so. I I think teams are indifferent to moving up. Why would you give an asset up for Tua when you know the guy can't – he might not stay healthy? Again, this is not about Tua's talent. I think Tua's a really good player. But this is more about his durability and can he stay healthy. 
It's going to be interesting because obviously there's lots more to come to when it comes to the draft, lots of different machinations. And just a programming reminder, the week of the draft, we're going to be with you three times that week. So Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, Friday recapping the first round, and then Sunday night we'll do our draft recap. That'll be posted Monday morning. So lots more draft talk coming up here on the GM Shelf. And, of course, we're back next week before we really get into the nitty-gritty 15 days away from the draft. Coming up next, we talked about one of the greats when it comes to media, Howard Cosell. How about the king of all media, Howard Stern? He spoke to Tom Brady. You're going to want to hear what Brady had to say to him next. So Tom Brady was talking with Howard Stern. How about this getting outside the box? Uh, here's a few little quotes, and I'm going to get Mike's opinion on these. Brady admitted he knew the end was near in Foxborough even before the 2019 season began, saying, quote, I don't think there was a final, final decision until it happened, but I would say I probably knew before the start of last season that it was my last year. I knew our time was coming to an end. Brady on his relationship with Bill Belichick. I think he has a lot of loyalty. He and I have had a lot of conversations that nobody has ever been privy to, and nor should they be. So many wrong assumptions were made about our relationship, how he felt about me. I know genuinely how he feels about me. I'm not going to respond to every rumor or assumption made other than what his responsibility as coach is to get the best player for the team, not only for the short term, but for the long term as well. I don't fault him for that. I was an older athlete. He started to plan for the future. That's what he should be doing. One more quote, Mike, and then you dive in. This was when he was asked whether it was important to finish his career with one team. He said, quote, I would say I never care about legacy. I could give a shit about that. I never said in high school, man, I can't wait for what my football legacy looks like. That's just not me. That's not my personality. Why would I choose a different place? It's just time. I don't know what to say other than that. Here's one more, actually. Sorry. When asked about whether or not he or Belichick should get credit for the success, I think it's a pretty shitty argument that people would say that I can't do his job and he can't do mine. Boom. Boom. That's it. I mean, you know, look, I, I think if you know Tom and truly understand Tom, these words are from his heart. They're accurate. You know, like I think he has loyalty. I don't think anybody's more loyal than Belichick, even though people perceive him to be disloyal the way he treats players. But the conversations that he and Tom have had that others aren't privy to, I think back to when Brady and Bill are standing on the sideline of the Saints before they get ready to play the Saints, I think, in 2009. And he just said, I can't get this team tougher. I mean, that's a deep conversation with a player that perhaps nobody would have. But he's trying to explain the challenges in his job to Brady, who's also trying to explain the challenges of his job to him. And I think Brady's right. You know, it's a shitty argument. Who's better? No one can do it. They both made each other better. You know, and I think ultimately at the end of the day, Brady just, as I wrote about in The Athletic, Brady just got tired. I think he just got tired. And, and the more I read his words, I think he just got tired of being in the culture. I think he wanted something new. And he wanted something to experience outside of the Patriots. And I'm not sure if the money would have been the same, if he wouldn't have just gone, just because there is a sense of freedom that he wanted to have. And I think he's entitled to it. He also spoke about confronting players. He said, if a guy isn't giving great effort, he's being an asshole, I can talk to him about that. I'd never confront him. I do it in a different way. My leadership is about connecting with someone. He also later made the point that, listen, he's going to be 43 years old. A lot of his teammates are going to be 22 years old. I've got to find ways to connect with these guys. He embraces that challenge, it sounds like, Mike. No doubt. And I mean, he was educated on, I mean, that we talked about that. Look, you know, you got to be able to connect to these teammates. I mean, you have to connect. I mean, what people don't understand about how to create loyalty and how to create the butterfly effect is you have to almost think of a puppy, right? When you bring a puppy home, 
the first thing the puppy does when he comes home to you, he's scared, shaken, concerned, you know, but once you pet the puppy, you nurture the puppy, you feed the puppy, you give him water, a week later, that puppy's ready to give his life up for you because you've nurtured, you've worked, you've engaged that puppy. Now, humans are not puppies, right? But it takes six months for you to nurture, feed, and love someone together as a unit to build that puppy love, to build that kind of, I will do anything for this person. And without that, it's hard to create the butterfly effect. And I think that that's really what the Patriots have been able to do is they've been able to nurture, feed, and grow people together. So by six months, by the time they get, when they're done, from April to the middle of the season in October, they'll fight for anybody because they've been nurturing that person every single day. They've been nurturing their team every single day like that little puppy. And I think that's really ultimately what they do. Brady also praised his dad, by the way, for supporting him. Speaking of this whole puppy argument, which you're discussing, he said, you know, his dad was the reason he never really overindulged as far as partying, stuff like that. He actually had a pretty funny line, too, about how much effort he put into his schoolwork. If my kids gave the effort I did, I'd be pretty pissed at my kids. And lastly, on a note of levity, back to Mike's original point about yard work and how we would rather just pay somebody than do it ourselves, he confirmed he's currently staying at Derek Jeter's house. And Brady said, if there's anything wrong with the house, he just bitches about it, and Jeter gets it fixed. That's how you get it done. Mike, complain to somebody else and they take care of it for you. That, you know, look, that's the stimulate the economy. I mean, look, I know my limitations. I think it's also about knowing your limitations. Like, like I always tell Millie, like, why would you ask me to do this? You know, I can't do it. Like, why? Like, I am incapable of doing this, you know? And, and I wish I were. I wish I were handy like Don Draper. You know, like, I watch Mad Man. Don Draper's fixing a sink. He's putting shit. Like, that ain't me, okay? I know who I am. I agree. The other day, I had a flat tire. You know what I did? I took it to the mechanic. I, I don't have to show off to anybody. Oh, I, I know how to change a tire? No, I don't. I took care of it. I paid for it. I'm good to go. As we close, you already gave me the recommendation. I'm going to watch it today. Amazon Prime, Sinatra, the main event. What else are you watching, reading? Do you want to bitch about Homeland, whatever? you want to close up shop here oh homeland was freaking ridiculous this week i mean so stupid i mean like seriously they put that garbage out there and they expect us to believe it like you know she's falling in love now with the russian agent and then he turns on her oh that's a fucking shock really seriously you know i can't they got three more weeks i mean it's like really seriously this is the best that you can come up with in that writer's room i mean give me a break i mean i got you know it's now it's humor for me Billy and I, we watch, it's humor. I just lit there. It's like, like, seriously, you know, they make the president of the United States look like the dumbest human being. I mean, look, we can all make comments, but they make the guy look like he has no, then they have this other guy come in who shows up. It's ridiculous. I started watching Bill Knighty. I think the guy is great. And I watched him in this show called Johnny Warwicker. I think that's been really good. And I've been, I'm almost done the Bob Dylan Chronicle, uh, you know, I've been do, reading a little bit on that. And I'm going to go back into another David Crosby book here in a minute. So those are the three things I'm working on. I love it. Bill Nighy. You're right. He was a British actor. I know who he is. He is pretty funny. I'm glad that you're checking that show out. It's really a good show. I mean, he's so good in it. It's really great. Listen, nothing's going to rattle me more than thinking about J.P. Lossman and Josh Freeman. I mean, you're talking about Homeland being bad. Those are some pretty epic names you pulled out of the vault. Let's hope no teams make some bad picks when it comes to the draft. We'll keep doing it here on the GM Shuffle. Please, everybody, stay safe. Wash your hands. Follow us on Instagram, the GM Shuffle. Go to Apple Podcasts. Subscribe, rate, and review. We'll talk to you next week.